morning. Um, we have really been uh, dealing in the past couple of weeks, uh, dealing with the battle within. And I've been, uh, last week we dealt with the concept of, of worry and how that we, from time to time, we all have to deal with that and, um, and how to overcome worry. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, discouragement. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And we'll begin reading in verses 1 through 8. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And we'll begin reading in verses 1 through 8. When you arrive there, you can say amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter number 30. Beginning in verse 1. Now it happened. When David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag attacked, they attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken captive their women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David, two wives, and Anoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, or discouraged, or troubled. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Halimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue? This troop, shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true, Father God, as we talk about overcoming discouragement. Father, I pray this morning that you would give me a fresh baptism, that those that are listening to this word today will be inspired and encouraged and built up and strengthened, God, and, and Lord, taken to new levels of faith that they've never been before. Uh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you, Father God, will bring joy and peace and a boldness and a confidence as we pursue those things that you've called us to do in this season and in this generation. For us in Jesus' name we pray. 
and give thanks. Amen. Just as we spoke last week about worry and how that worry can come sometimes without warning, it can come without notice, so can discouragement. Whether you have been believing God for something in your life or whether you have been trying to do a particular project or build a business or, in our case, build a ministry or whatever it might be, there are going to be moments of discouragement. And the thing about discouragement that we must understand that when discouragement comes, discouragement does not come alone. Uh, Discouragement have many buddies, self-pity, doubt, unbelief, worry, all of those things come along with discouragement. The question is not whether or not you're ever going to find yourself discouraged. The question is, when it happens, how will you respond? Will you be one of those that will say, well, you know, discouragement, come in. I want you to camp out and I'll prepare a table for you. Bring all your buddies. We can hang out here and we can just, you know, just sing kumbaya and just just everybody hang their heads down and just be discouraged and weary and tired. Or will you be one of those that when discouragement come knocking at your door, you say, oh, no, 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 you're not going to come in here today. See, discouragement comes, but how many know that when it comes, you need to kick it out very quickly? But see, sometimes, I don't know what it is about the human nature, we like to kind of sit and chill with discouragement a little bit. Have anybody ever had a pity party? Anybody know what a pity party is? You know what a pity party? Oh, me. I'm just, oh, God, I don't know. I'm not going to make it. Everything I try to accomplish in life, it's just nothing ever happens. I mean, God, I keep trying. I do all the right things. And every single time, God, something wonderful happens, something bad happens. Oh, Lord, the woe is me. I'm just a terrible person. I mean, no, that's, that's how it works sometimes. The enemy just whisper in your ear and tell you you're not going to make it. He tells you that you may as well throw in the towel and give up. How many of you have ever felt like? Giving up. Just saying, you know, I'm tired. I'm reminded of scripture with the Bible in, in, in Galatians where it says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. But the problem is, it's that due season thing. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, because it's in that due season that that's a pretty broad term. When the Bible says due season, okay, can you explain to me what a due season? Due season simply means when it's time. But the problem with us humans is we want to know we would like to be in control and we want to know, God, can you give me about a roundabout time when this thing is supposed to happening? And God says, no, and due season. All he's telling us to do is, if what you're doing is a good thing, keep doing it. Because God is not a man that he should not. How do you know what I'm talking about? He is not a man that he should lie. What God has promised, it shall come to pass. 
See, the thing about worry is different than discouragement. Because when you worry about something, how many know you have no peace? You're going through the journey and your life is just miserable. I mean, you're still doing things. You're still up and about. But, 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 but you're troubled in your spirit. You're, you're worried about the outcome. But, 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 but that's different than discouragement. Because when you're discouraged, you're flirting with the idea of quitting. You're contemplating in your mind and you're beginning to doubt whether or not if what you're doing is really what you should be doing. All of us in life will have battle, battles with discouragement. I can tell you that one of the professions that can be the most discouraging professions of all is being a pastor. I don't just say that because I'm one. Talk to anyone that you know, whether it's a small church like ours or if it's a large church. Every one of them go through times when they become greatly discouraged. My pastor, Pastor Ron, pastored a ministry of about 5,000 people. One a ministry that he built. He sold his life into people he spent hours and months and years with. And they turned their backs on him. He had a choice. Just like you have a choice. When you get discouraged, what do you do? When you find yourself, when the thing that you believed in or the people that you believed in, when you find that they are suddenly absent, what do you do in those moments? Do you say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to pursue what it is that God has called me to do. Or will you persevere in faith? I think about the, you know, I think about the people of God. There are many Bibles, or there are many Bible, verse, uh, Bible uh, leaders in Scripture that had to deal with this thing of discouragement. You remember Elijah? You remember Jezebel when she was, said, Elijah, because you killed my 450 prophets, I'm going to kill you about this time tomorrow. Great man of God, he's on the run, finds himself in a cage and says, Lord, I'm ready to die. I mean, no, that's discouragement. Think about Job. Job lost everything, lost his family, lost his wife, lost his kid. He lost everything in a moment of time. And yet Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Well, let's go to New Testament. Think about the apostle Peter, who is the leader of the New Testament church, the one who stood up and he preached that powerful message at Pentecost. And about 3000 people got to say, I mean, no, that's some good preaching there. Oh, you you can preach and 3,000 people come to Jesus. That's real preaching. You ain't done nothing yet until you can preach like that. I don't know anybody that's done that. But Peter had a moment in his time when he said, Lord Jesus, he said, if it kills me, he said, though everybody else will deny you, when the time comes, I will never Never deny you. Those jokers might, but you know, I'm your boy. I will never deny you, Jesus. And Peter, in a moment of temptation, when the soldiers came, the scripture said that Peter began to curse. I mean, Peter backslid. I call it he had a flashback. Started cursing. I don't bleak, bleak, bleak know the man. What happened to Peter? Scripture says that Peter, after he realized that he had did the very thing Jesus said that he was going to do. Peter said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. He found himself doing it. And the Bible said he went away and he wept. He wept bitterly. In other words, he cried like a baby 
because he realized that I had blown it. And I love how Peter goes out and he tells all his disciples, I go, I'm going fishing. It's almost like a cavalier, like, you know what, I'm going back to what I used to do because obviously I've messed up my opportunity with God. I mean, I, I you know, I basically, uh, I denied the Lord. So, you know, obviously God, you know, is done with me. But then how do we know that Jesus is a restorer? He shows up out of nowhere and said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And Peter begins his ministry. But he had to battle with discouragement. Second Corinthians chapter four. I think David had that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter number four. The apostle Paul says, therefore. Now listen to this. Since we have this ministry. Mm-mm-mm. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16. I think she have it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Talk about the Apostle Paul for one moment. If, if you don't, if, if, if you kind of don't know what Apostle Paul went through, uh, Paul talked about how that he was in jail often and he was in cold and nakedness. He, was, he had been stranded in the middle of oceans. He had his people, his own countrymen trying to kill him. He was on the run. He was ducking and hiding for his life. Yet God called him to a ministry. God called him to preach. And Paul said, since I I, since we, we, we know we have this ministry of the Lord, we do not lose heart. Why won't he lose heart? Because he realized that his God Amen. will come through for him. You see, when you recognize, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, the Bible says, and I believe it's Romans, that if God be for you, who can be against you? See, this is solid. This is some good stuff. We're going to have a good time. If God be for you, Who can be against you? All I need to know and everything that I'm going through is that God is with me. Moses said, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but you got to go up this thing with me. You got to help me with this people because if you don't go with me, I can't make it. And so then because I know that God is with me, I can take it. Paul said, I do not lose heart. Yes, there are times when I wonder. Yet there are times when I have to endure a difficult blow. Yes, there are times when I get a little bit discouraged, but I don't stay there long. Why? Because I know that he's with me. I have a ministry from God. And if I have an assignment from God, that's all I need to know. I will not lose heart. No matter what life throws my way. Somebody ought to say amen. I will not lose heart. Well, you know, I've been thinking about quitting. Well, stop thinking about quitting in your life. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do about this situation. I don't know what I'm going to do about that situation. I've been trying. Maybe it's you've been doing too much. Maybe you just need to rest in the Lord. Rest, rest, rest in the Lord. Be of good courage. The scripture says that he will strengthen your heart. 
So then David, David, let's go back to David, David. First Samuel chapter 30, here's David who slayed the giant. David was a man who got pulled out of obscurity and brought him into notoriety. And God brought David to a place where David had a defining moment as he is uh, beginning to embrace his destiny and his calling. He kills a giant. He slays someone that was much bigger, much stronger than he was. Somebody ought to be getting encouraged. David, when he killed the giant, the scripture says that David began to go out in the city. And, and when David came back from defeating the giant, the women and everybody was singing, Saul killed his thousand, but David killed his ten thousand. And Saul began to become jealous at David. Saul was then the king. And Saul felt threatened. And so Saul set out a course to try and kill David. David finds himself on the run from someone to whom was supposedly his father-in-law who should be supporting him and loving him. David finds himself on the run. But God had mercy on him, just like God had mercy on Joseph. You remember Joseph being in the prison, but when he got in the prison, he was so anointed that he became the head guy, that everybody deferred everything to Joseph. Joseph was anointed everywhere he went. Whenever Joseph put his hand on, he was blessed. Whenever David put his hand on, he was blessed. God surrounded him with faithful people. David is on his journey. David had multiple opportunities where he could have killed Saul. And in many of our minds, he would have been justified. But Saul said, I can't touch God anointed. No, 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 I ain't going to do that. But Saul continued after him. And so then David ends up in the land of the Philistines. King Achish was the king there. And, and uh, David found favor in his eyes because David was running. And King Achish had mercy on him and gave David a little town called Ziglag. What a name, Ziglag. Gives him this little town called Ziklag. And so David and his men, they set up camp there. And the Philistines' major enemy at that time was, the, was Israel. You know, a, a, uh, you know that David was an Israelite. And so the Philistines is about to go and fight the Israelites. And David says, hey, I'm going to go fight with the Philistines. After all, y'all been good to me. I'm going to go and join y'all. But some of the Philistines, and rightly so, were a little bit concerned. So, no, no, we get up in the battle. He's he, he still having allegiance to his country and his people. Send the boy back home. David goes back then. Okay, he gets rejected there. He heads on back to Ziglag, the place that King Achish gave him. And so when David arrives there, he finds a very troubling scene. His wife and kids were taken. All of his property gone. In fact, all the men that were with him, they lost everything. The city was burned up. Somebody had come and raided the place. Now, how many know that you might just be tempted to get discouraged? Think if you came home and your house was burned down. And your kids, your wife, everything that you own and everything that is precious to you in life is suddenly gone. You might be tempted to be discouraged. So David had, at this particular moment, he lost everything. The scripture says that David 
and his men cried until they had no more power to cry. How many of you have ever been there? I mean, you cry so hard or so much that you cried yourself to sleep. How many know he's in a tough place? I lost my kids. I don't know where my wife is. As far as they were concerned, his whole family and everybody had been killed because they're not there. You remember I said discouragement can come at a moment's notice. Life is going well. Life is going good. All of a sudden, wham, something happened. And you're sitting there like, oh, my God. David had one of those moments where all of him and his men, they just got before the Lord and they just cried. You see, the Bible says that it's okay to weep. You know that? The scripture says that Jesus wept. But the difference is that we don't weep like others who have no hope. Are are you tracking with me? So we can weep, but it's a difference between an unbeliever and a believer that weeps. See, when an unbeliever weeps, they have no hope. They, they listen, they believe it's all over. But when we weep, we just weep because we miss them a little bit. But there's hope. And when we weep because we know that God is going to come through for us. We know that God is going to make a way for us. So even though we weep and we cry and we go through those moments of time, we don't weep without hope. Because how many know this is not the end? For the believer, it is just the beginning. But David's grief was doubled. Now, I want you to, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see where David was. These men had left what little they had because the scriptures called them worthless fellows. In other words, they were just ordinary people who didn't have much, but saw an anointing and they saw a calling on David. They followed him. Lost everything. These guys giving up everything and followed David. And, and now David not only is having to deal with his own personal loss, but the scripture says, that all the men that were with him begin to blame him for their problems. You are the one, David, that caused all of this. You, David, if it had not been for you asking us to follow you, we would not be in this place. You are the one, David, that caused all of this. But they take it a step further. The scripture said they start conspiring. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill them. Boy, it's amazing how people, when things are going well, that everybody want to be your buddy and they want to hang out with you. But boy, when it gets hard, all of a sudden, I want to kill them. Well, what happened? David was your king. Weren't you out there partying and celebrating when David killed the giant? But now David's going through a difficult time. Now you want to kill him. Now you're talking about him. Now you're stabbing him in the back. You're conspiring. Now David knows all of this. He's right there. He can hear the rumblings. David, they are looking at him like, how are we going to kill him? The scripture says they spoke about stoning him. Talking about being depressed. Talking about being discouraged. How many of you have ever had somebody that you love just walk out on you? How many of you ever had a good friend, best friend, somebody that, 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 that was your friend that you love, you respect, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, trouble came, and they were gone. They turned their back on you. Have you ever been discouraged like that? Oh, it's happened to me. 
been those moments in my life where I sit there and I've tried to figure out, God, what was happening? <laughs> I'm glad the Lord gave us his word. You know why I'm glad? Because the Bible says that what you are experiencing in the world, what you are experiencing, your brothers have experienced the same thing. People before us experienced what we're going through right now. See, you're not alone. But David, a great man of God, by any measure, this was an awesome man of God. He finds himself in a place where, Lord, what am I going to do? And, and you know, and, and all of those jokers now, they're turning on him. They're, ready. they're talking about killing him. See, now they're weeping, but they're not weeping with any hope. They're thinking that it's all over. This thing is done. I don't know how this is, this is the end. And so in their minds, we're going to get some restitution out of this. We're going to take you down because ours got taken. Yours, your tail is going to be taken. You see, David have to fight for himself. But, but, but here's what I want you to see. You know how sometimes, now y'all won't admit it, but you know how sometimes when things don't go the way you want to go that Every now and then you have a tendency to blame God. What did Mary and Martha say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. That's a real slick theological way of saying you took too long. You have resurrection power. If you who say that you are the son of God, you can raise people from the dead. Where were you, God? You got here too late. If you had been here, my brother would still be alive today. But you took too long. You're the reason, Jesus. I mean, God could stop this problem. God, God, God I mean, why do I have cancer? God, you have the power to stop this sickness. You have the ability. So, Lord, what's up? I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been giving. I've been serving. I've been doing all those things. God, what's the problem? Why am I sitting here and my next door neighbor who never serves you, who never goes to church, who wants nothing to do with you, they are prospering, but here I am. I'm sitting here in sickness, and I'm in debt over my head. God, if you... If you would have stepped in, see, this would have never happened. What are we doing? We're blaming God. Blaming God. But David never blames God. He never, you never hear nothing of David saying, Lord, you killed all, you took all my wife and my kids. I mean, boy, if there was every time you want to be blaming God, that might be it, right? David, it's like he's enduring it. He went, the scripture said that he cried with the rest of them. But he didn't sorrow as others who have no hope. Oh, hallelujah. So, he never blames God. In fact, you know what David does? David gets up. And I like how the scripture says that David strengthened. Mm-mm-mm. And this is in verse number Verse 6, 6b, the King James Version says, encourage himself in the Lord, his God. 
You know, there are some times in your life that Susie can't encourage you. Pastor Bailey can't encourage you. T.D. Jakes, as gifted as he is, cannot encourage you. Your spouse cannot encourage you. There are those times in life where you have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Reminds me of when years ago I was working out. Well, I always worked out, but when I first started, I used to start off with a couple of people every now and then. They'll work out with me for about a month. And then after that, they quit. And I started noticing this pattern because, you know, a lot of people, they depend on another person to encourage them in working out. And so I would see, you know, like some people work out and and I was not seeing for a while. And I would say, how come you haven't been coming to the gym lately? Well, you know, I used to work out with brother so-and-so and or I used to work out with sister so-and-so or Pam or with Johnny and they stopped coming. So I just stopped. I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to be disciplined in working out and exercising, I had to learn how to develop that discipline for myself. You got to learn at times, you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because there are going to be times when people are going to let you down. Don't don't ask yourself, you know, don't think that somehow it's going to evade you. David was a strong man of God. And his own friends talked about killing him. Where was he going to turn? David could have sit there. He could have said, you know what? I'm done. I don't know, man. My ministry has been a joke. I've been on the run. You called me in the ministry. You had Samuel come over there and dump some oil on my head. I'm thinking I'm anointed. I'm called of God. And here I am, I'm running for my life. Every day, I'm running for my life. Why am I running for my life? If I'm supposed to be called of God, what am I running for? You see, David realized that he had to encourage himself. Young people, listen to me. You're going to have times in your walk that your friends are going to let you down. People that you love the most, people that you respected, they'll be talking about you behind your back. They'll be, I call it, they used to sing the OJs used to have a song back in the day called Backstabbers. Remember that song, Brother Larry? They smile in your face all the time they're trying to take your place. They're backstabbers. Yeah, I think it used to be the, I think it was OJs. I know I'm dating myself here, but but you're going to have those moments where, where, where people are just going to do that to you. You, you. you see, David did not allow the problem to put him on lockdown. Right. He could have got to that point where he could have just froze up and just said, you know what? Obviously, God has not called me to be the king of Israel. This was a, this was a dream in my own head. <laughs> Because after all, I mean, nothing has gone my way, really. I've lost everything that I got. You know, people say to you, if you're serving God, if you really believe God, then how come God is not coming through for you? I mean, you ever heard that? Look at Psalm 
27. I'm going to show you something in Psalm 27. This gives you some insight into the mind of David. Psalm 27, look at verse number 13 and 14. I love this. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. Listen to this. David said it this way. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see, I love that because David, David, David was, the reason why I love David, because he was a man like me and you. He felt stuff. He went through stuff. I mean, the book of Psalms, many of the Psalms that he wrote was just David just being real with God. But David says, I would have given up. I would have quit. But, but what, what, what kept him from quitting? He says, I believe that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No matter what you're going through, here's what you got to tell yourself. If you're feeling a little bit discouraged, you need to tell yourself, you know what, at some point, no matter how hard this gets, God's goodness is going to come my way. At some point, because he said all things work together for good. So I know that no matter what happens to me, baby, it's for my good. I can't do but go up in the kingdom. Now let that settle down in you for a little bit. You can't do but go up in the kingdom of God. David says, I believe no matter how hard it got, I just believe that God's goodness was going to come my way. He says in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Somewhere between your problems and whatever you're discouraged about, goodness and mercy is lagging right behind you. Everywhere you go, what's that behind me? Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Everywhere I go, goodness and mercy. Yeah, there's some problems. Yeah, there's some issues. But I always look back and goodness and mercy will what? Follow me. (laughs) Do y'all hear me this morning? Goodness and mercy will follow me some of the days of my life. A few of the days of my life. He said, all the days of my life, goodness and mercy, no matter what happens to me, it's following me everywhere I go. Yep, I, yep, I see that problem. Yep, oh yeah, it's painful. Yeah. But goodness and mercy is always going to be back there like this. Hello, how you doing? I'm here. I'm here. I haven't gotten nowhere. Somebody say goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You see, David sought the Lord. He didn't seek. See, everybody else was sitting there weeping and crying with no hope. See, all the other men were sitting there, hoo hoo, it's over. But David said, bring me the ephod. (laughs) He said, I'm going up. And David, who was was really the person who had the most pressure, because remember, they're just dealing with their loss. But David got to deal with his loss. He's a leader and the loss of everybody else and the fact that they want to kill him. So if anybody is dealing with the most pressure at that moment is David. 
And David, the only one out of the group, he says, bring me the ephod. And he went to inquire of the Lord. He didn't seek drugs. He didn't seek alcohol. You know, sometimes we get discouraged. We start reverting back to things of our past to try to get some kind of a, uh, satisfaction. Or, you know, people use drugs and alcohol and sex. You know what they use it for? Because they just need something to just help them to cope with their discouragement. With, with something not going, their, their inadequacies, whatever it might be. They look back to those weak and beggarly things that the Apostle Paul talked about. But David turned his face to God. You see, what it shows is that who David had been trusting. In. You see, don't tell me. See, anybody can praise God when it's going good. Man, when you can open up the refrigerator and it's overloaded with food, you can't even shut the door. When your cabin has got canned goods all over the place. You, follow, you see, when, when, when all your bills are paid and you got money running over, left over, you're in good health, your kids are doing well, it's easy to come to church and give God praise, is it not? But can you give God praise when you open up the refrigerator and nothing is in there? Can you give God praise when you're sick in your body? Can you give God praise when everything that you believed in that you thought was the foundation, everything you hoped in, it, it suddenly it vanished. It was out of your life. Can you give God the praise then? You see, it's in the affliction of your life that you discover where you really are with God. It's not, a, it's not you, you don't know where you are in God until you go through some trouble. See, when David was at his most vulnerable point, where did he turn? To God. If you find yourself when you get really, really discouraged, you're really, really going through it. The first thing you do is turn to Susan, turn to drugs and turn to alcohol. Then, then God has not been that foundation as he should be. There have been some other things, but God has God is not the source there. It was a revealer of where David was. David knew what he, David went back to the familiar place. Right. He said, I, I'm going to I'm going I know what to do. I'm going back up to God. And he began to praise the Lord. He said, I like how I said, Lord, shall I pursue? And here's what God said to David. And we get ready to close. He said to David, you will pursue. What, what, what verse that is? Oh, yeah, there it is. So David cried to the Lord saying, shall I pursue? Verse 8. Shall I pursue this troop? Now, you would think David would be saying, Lord, you know, David's still like ready to go. You're talking about discouragement is not going to get this brother down. He's still talking about, look, I'm ready to go. Obviously, there's purpose in this. There's purpose in this pain. Obviously, what I'm going through, God has a plan in this. God, I'm so, so David says, Lord, shall I pursue? And shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover everything. Ah. Now, watch this. David, what if, just what if David would have just sit there in his discouragement? And just let discouragement abort his destiny, his calling and purpose, and went back the other way. Nothing had really happened to his kids and his family. He just took them. But, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things the enemy tells us is when things get bad, he make us think that they're a lot worse than what they really are. That's why the Bible said the just shall live by what? Faith. Faith. Don't live by what you see with your naked eye. The Bible declares that the just shall live by faith. So it's not about what I see. It's about what I believe. Amen. That's good. That's right. And David saw a situation. He said, this looks really, really bad. But Lord, shall I go up? 
obviously they, David was believing they ain't dead because God, God gave me a promise. He believed that somehow, somewhere, that those, my people, my kids, my property, it was still there. He said, Can I, should I get them? Now, he didn't know for sure, but he knew one thing, that somebody had did it. And he was like, Lord, can I go? And God said, you're going to get everything back. Sound like Job. Remember Job lost everything, but he got blessed double in the end. Oh, hallelujah. So he go look at verse number 18. If, I think if what, what verse is it? Verse number 18 and 19 in 1 Samuel chapter 30. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. <laughs> and David rescued his wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Oh, somebody say amen. Either small or great, sons or daughters or spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. David encouraged himself. He got up from where he was and he went back and he stayed in the battle and he recovered everything, including the spoil of his enemies. The people that were, you see how the enemy does? He tried to come in, he tried to raid your stuff, take your stuff. How many know the devil is always trying to steal from you? He's trying to steal your health. He's trying to steal your money. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to steal your joy. He is always playing tricks with your mind because he wanted to get you all in a tizzy. Mm -hmm. He wanted to get you to respond in irradical and irrational ways. So he threw all kinds of things that you make you think, it's over, it's over, it's over, it's over. No, it wasn't. David said, David said, no, 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 no. Lord, what, should I, what should I do? Go get it, David. David went and he pursued, got his enemies, got everything back. God, is here, God sent me to tell you here this morning, don't be discouraged. Lift your heads up because I'm going to give you everything that you had been believing me for. My calling and my purpose have not changed for your life. Just because it looks like it's been defeated, just because it looks like it's not going to happen does not mean that what you see is what it really is. See, I think Lord makes us walk by faith for a reason. He says, you know what? The just shall live by faith. We just breeze over that sometimes. You know what God, that's a, God's, a, a nice warning he was giving us. He said, you know what? You're going to have to trust me. You're just going to have to believe me and you're going to have to trust me. In closing, and this is my one and only closing. <laughs> I don't think I told David this scripture verse, but I'm going I'm to read this Psalm 42 to you. Because people will think you're a little bit schizophrenic, but that's okay. You know, I said to you before that you can throw one of those earpieces in your ear and make it seem like you're talking on the phone when you're driving on the road. And uh, you can talk to yourself, you can talk to God, and people think, you know, you're just talking on your headset. So now, you, you know, there are ways now that you can pray to God and talk in your car and talk loud. Sometimes the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. How many of you have ever just preached to yourself? I'm just going to preach to myself. This is what he did in Psalm 42. Listen to this. This is a psalmist. He says, he's talking to himself. <laughs> Listen to this. He's talking to himself. He says, 
Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for he for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Metsar. Deep calls on the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me a prayer to the God of my life. But look what he says. Verse 11 again. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God. See, here's, here's what the psalmist did. He talked to himself. He's a soul. Now watch this. You're going to obey God. Well, I don't feel like going to church. Get up out the bed. You're going to obey. Well, I don't feel like reading my Bible. So you are going to read the Bible. I don't feel like worshiping and praising God. No, you will praise God. The Bible says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, his praise will continually be in my mouth. You know, one of the things that will break the spirit of heaviness off your life and discouragement is praise. He says, hope in God. He said, yet he said, he talked to himself. So why are you like this? Hope in God. Get it together. We're going, I'm taking authority over this situation right now. He beginning to requires, he begin to recall the prior blessing. He talks about how that he will remember you from the land of Jordan. You see, when you're going being discouraged, you just need to look back at what God done in your life. Say, you know what? Let me let me look back. Let me look back. When I look back at what God did, boy, he done some marvelous things. He brought me through some stuff. So you know what? This too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. And he refused to let discouragement keep him down. He said, no, no. So you will worship. So you will praise. So you will Give God the glory. I don't care how you feel or what you think. You see, when you find yourself being discouraged, do me a favor. Worship God. And then connect with people that will encourage you. You ever heard, I've heard a song that said that I can do bad all by myself. Connect with people that will encourage you. And watch this. Be an encourager of somebody else. How I many you know the Bible says you reap what you what? Sow. So if you want peace and joy, sow it to somebody else. Sow it into somebody else's life. And avoid isolation. You know, one of the things we get discouraged, the first thing you want to do, you don't want to talk to nobody. You get by yourself and the enemy just start talking to you about how nobody cares about you, how you're not going to make it, how this and how that. Avoid isolation and surround yourself around people of faith that will help encourage you. Not because you're dependent on people, but because you're dependent on your God. Amen. Amen. Every head is bowed.